Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Let's get in and enjoy five for five today. Um, I get to start by introducing my lovely wife, my baby mama of four kids, the love of my life, everything, uh, my best friend. I could go on and on, uh, but she's got a great message on perseverance that you are going to love. Get your notes out. Get your Bibles out. Follow along. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit directs these five for five. It's going to be a meaningful day. Put your hands together. Welcome, my lovely wife. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I am so so excited to deliver this word. We had so much fun in the first service. And worship, I just, I don't even know. I was like, I don't even want to go preach. I just want to keep worshiping. But I guess I'll share with you what God put on my heart. So I'm going to read from you from James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 in the NIV this morning. It says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Everyone say perseverance. Perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that when you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Whenever I've gone through trials in life, I always come to the book of James. The book of James is filled with how to handle trials. I mean, you can go in there and you can just stay in there. I mean, there's been seasons that we've had to walk through that were just tough just tough trials. And I would just go to James. You should see my Bible. James probably has every single verse underlined or highlighted or a note written on the side. I mean, I've dug into the book of James because it's meant so much to me in those seasons of trials. It says to consider it joy when we face it. It's our first thing when we have a trial to like be joyful. Is that our first response? No, right? That's like probably our last response. We're like, oh, God help me. I need a miracle. Someone pray for me. We usually aren't, our first response isn't joy, but the Bible actually says, let's first consider a joy that we're facing this trial. We're like, okay, God, okay, I'm supposed to consider this joy. How do I do that? I remember in 2008, 2016, those were two years that I can like think back and be like, okay, those were trial years. And I would go to this scripture and I would say this to myself out loud. I would say, at the end of this season, I'm going to be mature and I'm not going to lack anything. And I would have to speak that over myself because in it, you don't feel good. Like, you don't feel like it's a good thing happening. But then I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to lack nothing at the end of the season. I'm going to be awesome. Like, God's, God's doing something in this season. Some of those seasons are longer than others, right? But perseverance produces character in us, and struggles are actually strengthening us. If I never gone through anything, if I never had a trial, would I be very strong? No, I would be, like, just skipping along, like, acting like nothing's going on in the world. But actually, in those trials is when I become strong and when my strength comes. Hebrews 10.36 says, You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. So some of the best things in life that God has promised for you are on the other side of our perseverance. The best way I can describe this and how this relationship works between perseverance and promises is childbirth, okay? Now, I am a mom, so everything I relate is to kids in some way or another because that's like my main role in life right now. So I have a nine-year-old, I have a six-year-old, and I have two-year-old twins. Now, when I had the nine and the six-year-old, I had to persevere through a little bit through the labor part. That was, that was major perseverance. But the twins, I had to persevere longer because it was a longer journey. I knew that when I found out I got pregnant with twins, I was like, okay, 
I guess I'm going to have to just persevere through this. This is what's happening. This is what God's doing in my life. And it was so hard. I mean, it was so painful. I, almost every single day of my pregnancy was excruciating pain. And I remember trying to sleep near the end. I'd be flopping from one side, flopping the other. I had gained like 60 pounds right here. And I was just in horrifying pain. I don't know how else to describe it to you guys. And I just remember thinking, I just have to persevere through this. I just, just keep going, Alyssa. Just keep going. Like, if I don't persevere through this, there's going to be no promise of my children they are going to come through on the other end. They were doing great. They were happy. They were living their best life. I was suffering. Um, and so I, I remember I would go near the end of the pregnancy. I was going to the doctor, you know, weekly. And I would say, please, doctor, please take these babies out of me. What, when can we do it? Put a date. Put a date. He's like, no, it's not time. It's not time. They need to keep going. They need to keep going. You need to keep growing. If you do not want them to come now, but um, I wanted to them to come so bad because I wanted to be out of the misery. I wanted to be done with my persevering. I was over it. But the doctor still told me it wasn't time yet. And actually, in the book of James, that same scripture in the message, it says, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature, well-developed, not lacking anything. And I feel like that for me, it was like I wanted to get out of it, but it wasn't time yet. And if I would have got it earlier, the twins would have suffered. But God had to work in me, just like in our trials. Like God is working something through you, and it's hard, and it sucks sometimes, but you have to just push through that season because there's a promise on the other side of it if you're with Jesus. Jesus had to rescue us. He had to endure the pain of the cross. He had to go through that. He had to persevere through that. And what did he give us? He gave us eternal life because he persevered through that. So no matter what we're facing, Jesus, Jesus already did it. He faced it for us. Without it, without those persevering times, we wouldn't be as strong or as tough. And you better know that when a trial comes my way now, I'm like, you know what? God did it last time. He's going to do it again and again and again because he's faithful. And I've seen him prove himself faithful through the years. Because when I hand my life to him, I say, God, here's my life. And he takes it and he uses me, and, and it's crazy. Like some of these trials, I know they're tough, but when you persevere through it, there's so much joy on the other side and in it when we choose it, right? So if you're facing a trial, I just want to encourage you to dig into the book of James. Even this week, open up your Bible, get to the book of James, highlight it, underline it, whatever you need to do to get that in your spirit so that way when you face a trial, either you're facing one now or you're going to face one in the future because they're going to come, that you know how to respond. So I hope that encourages you this morning. Look at that. 30 seconds. She went overtime in the 10 a.m., so look at that. You, you got it. And how many of you know your boy didn't interrupt her? My mama didn't raise no fool, so it was, it was beautiful, beautiful. Hey, next up we have Jordano. So excited for this man. Uh, he leads a lift group for us and, and just, uh, just an awesome guy. He runs Legacy Fit right like two doors down pretty much, right just around the box. So give it up for him as he comes up to share the word. Thank you guys for having me. Um, man, let me tell you, when the spirit moves in you, the spirit moves in you. That worship was was amazing. That's going to lead me into my talk. My name is Jordana Rodriguez. Like Pastor Matt says, I run a studio called Legacy. I'm a coach there in this beautiful city called Fort Lauderdale, right? My fiance and I, soon to be Rodriguez, her first name's Anicia, right? Uh, we, we serve this church, and if you guys have questions about my background, about my story, what I'm about to tell you, please feel free to ask me or her. Now, disclosure, I get very excited when I talk. I might do a backflip or something, so if don't be alarmed. That's just how I, how I talk, okay? So my talk is based off of Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where Paul encourages us through God to renew your mind, right? Now, about six years ago, my life was on a downward spiral. Um, I was at a job I did not like. I was also recently divorced from a relationship that was broken, right? And little did I know the pressure that I was going through, I was causing because of my own thoughts, right? See, now your mind 
is a battlefield, right? Satan uses your mind like a bull dime. And there, he will plant little seeds of doubt that makes you feel that you'll never measure up, that you're not good enough, that you won't do this, right? But what I'm going to show you guys today is how we could combat those thoughts with God's word. Because a thought is just a thought. The same way that thought came in is the same way the thought could go out, right? So I want you to use this illustration. If you were to walk in front of your yard, thousands of steps every single day, same path every single day, what's going to happen to your yard? You're going to create a pathway within your yard. I know because my parents do landscaping. I grew up doing it. So you're going to create a pathway, right, in your yard. Your mind is no different. If you stay on a lie for 100 days straight, your mind is going to create this neurological pathway, and it's going to create that into your existence, right? Your life is always going towards your strongest thoughts. That's why in Proverbs it says, in Proverbs 23, as a man thinks within his heart, so he is to the world. Right? So maybe you did walk in here with thoughts of, I'm not good enough. I, I'm not capable. Listen to me. That is Satan waging war against you. You need to stand up inside yourself and literally say, shut up. You got to literally yell. Literally yell. And stand up inside yourself, right? Because within there, that is freedom. And we all know that Jesus holds the key to eternal life and freedom. You need to stand up inside yourself and say, no, devil, I'm not who others say I am. I'm not even who my own lying mind says I am. I am who God says I am. And I love this part in the talk because it, 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 it reaches you, right? It reaches you. There are five ways we can combat this, guys, five ways, right? Number one is prayer. We need to fill our spirit up with God's spirit. Just ask for it. He'll give it to you. It's free. It's free. It's completely free. Number two, and I don't mean to target, right, but my boys, my men, you want to learn how to be leaders? Read the Bible. Yeah. There's a phrase. There's a phrase. Once a reader, now a leader. Read the Bible. If you feel that you're not capable enough to, to lead, to lead by example, you fit that category because that's who God looks for. Look at Moses. Look at Joshua. Look at Jeremiah. Look at David. Look at David. That, that's one of my favorite examples. Samson. He's another one of my favorite ones, right? Number three, podcasts, motivational videos, or, this is a good one, your group of friends. There's an old phrase in Spanish, and I'm going to touch on the third one. That's a three-part one, and I'm going to touch on that third one because that third one's very important, right? Who you hang around with is what's going to be created around you, right? If you're hanging around that somebody likes to go to the bar all the time and does what, guess what? You're going to pick up those habits, right? So the phrase is, tell me who you hang around with, and I'll tell you who you are. So the fifth one, the fifth one, and this might be bias, is literally work out. Work out. Go sweat. Go move your body. I'm not saying, like, come take a legacy class. If you want to, the first one's free. You're more than welcome, <laughs> right? <laughs> the first one's free. Or do mixed martial arts like I do. What I'm saying is go sweat. You release happy endorphins when you do. That is the hormone that combats those negative thoughts as well as reading your Bible, okay? So, and, and, and again, it doesn't have to be an hour session. You could go for a walk. In my walks, I like to pray to God. That's where I talk to him the most, yeah. right? When I'm still with him. Go in nature, play a piano, play a, something that gets your mind moving in order for you to fight those thoughts every single day. Let me tell you something. The wolf that has reached the top of the mountain is not hungrier than the wolf that's climbing the mountain. Yes, God gave me the power to move that mountain, but I'd rather climb it because with each step I take, each climb I go, I know I'm becoming stronger and stronger and stronger. And I pray that this talk, I don't know, like Pastor Matt said, I pray that this talk moves you, moves you. I pray that it enters your, your soul into your bone marrow, guys, because everything and anything is capable through him. And I'm just going to leave you with that. 
Thank you so much. I love you guys. Love is so powerful. Who's excited to go work out, right? Let's go. All right. Uh, next up, we have Valerie. Love Valerie around here. She serves a team lead guest experience, uh, even opened up her home this last year to let us host a lift group in it. So would you give it up for Valerie as she brings the word? Well, thank you so much. Great introduction, as always. <laughs> Good morning, church. Once again, my name is Valerie. First off, what an honor to be here this morning. Uh, and also, praise to God. You know, it's been an amazing morning so far. But let's get to it because we don't have a lot of time. I don't know about you, but I feel like as human beings, we, we're constantly struggling with this urge of wanting to control everything. I don't know about you, but I'm a control freak, so I'm like micromanaging everything. And we want to control our lives, we want to control people, we want to control our families, our jobs, and even the outcome of certain decisions in our lives. But then to our surprise, sooner or later, you realize that you can't control everything, truthfully. And the fact of the matter is that it's very humbling when you go from that, oh, yeah, I got everything figured out, to boom, the unexpected happens. And when I think of that, it reminds me of the life of David. If you don't know who David is, he is a man that was anointed king. He defeated a giant. He led many military battles. And he married the king's daughter. You look at his life and you're like, oh, this man got it all figured out. He, had it, he has it going for him. And then the unexpected happens. Then all of a sudden, because of a jealous king, hint, hint, his father-in-law, he ends up having to run away from his life for the next 10 or more years, hiding, scared, being held up in a cave. So if you really think about this, you're like, this man went from like being all the way to here to now being here. And it's just like, this is very ironic. And I'm sure this is not how David pictured his life to look like at this point. Now, we can read that in Psalms chapter 3, 1 through 3. And he says, and I'm going to do this very passionately because I feel like he was just going through it. So he's like, oh, Lord. I have so many enemies, so many are against me, so many are saying, God will never rescue him, but you, O oh Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one that holds my head high. I cry out to you, the Lord, and he answered from his holy mountain. Now, I know that when things get out of control, you might be tempted to think that God just abandoned you, that your dreams are shattered, that your hopes are destroyed, and that God no longer has a purpose for your life. But can I get personal with you? Let's get personal because this season has been crazy. I went to Europe because your girl likes to travel uh, back in March and for my birthday to celebrate it. And two days into a trip, I get fired from my job. And then that's already like a bummer because you're about to spend all this money in Europe. And you're like, well, <laughs> look at that. And then I come back from the trip and I'm like, okay. Then two weeks into that, uh, my house gets completely flooded. All the floors are gone, my refrigerator broken, and I'm left without a refrigerator for a whole month, so I end up having to go to my mom's every day to cook, and that is terrible. <laughs> now, now, obviously, you can assume that this is not how I had pictured my life to look like at right now, and to be honest, I feel bitter, and I was angry, and I was just like, why is this all happening all at once? And it was just, God, why? God, why? Until I realized that although I felt like everything was going wrong in my life, none of it was happening to me or against me, but rather for me. 
And I know that sounds very cliche, like, oh, look at her on the bright side. No, I know I was not looking at nothing on the bright side. But can I tell you that through all the things that I went through, I learned one thing, and it's that I got to know God on a deeper level as my provider. Where am I today? Today, I still don't have a job, officially. Officially. But can I tell you this, that I have not skipped a meal one day. That God has provided monetary resources from places that were so unexpected. That God has paid my bills, and I got a new refrigerator. (laughs) So I close with this. You might be in a season that you never expected to be. Maybe you're still waiting on God's promise to fulfill in your life. Maybe you feel bitter like I did a few weeks ago. Maybe your faith is weak today. Maybe you're asking why, because I was at some point. But can I tell you the word that God gave me earlier in March when I came back from that trip? And it was, Valerie, be still. And watch me. Watch me do it for you and do not be afraid. So before I go, I want you guys to do this. You all have a name, right? Instead of putting Valerie in the front, put your name. And this is what God is saying. Be still and watch me do it. And with that, I close today. Thank you so much. Amazing. So good. Uh, next up is Thomas. We love him around here. He serves in guest experience and uh, part of a lift group. And man, just uh, just an amazing guy. It's been fun to get to know him. We've been talking knee injuries and stuff lately. So we appreciate you. Thomas, come up here, man. We're excited to have you. Good for him. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you guys. So awesome to be here today. I love the energy. Five for Five has been a blast. Um, like I said, my name's Thomas. If you guys don't know me, I'm from Virginia Beach. Been coming here since November and love being with you guys. Um, just to jump straight into it, today I'm talking about Thanksgiving as a means of approaching and hosting the presence of God. So I'm reading from Hebrews 13:15. It says, Through him, Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This word sacrifice is interesting nowadays. I don't know if you guys are surprised, uh, but we don't kill animals off here. Um, So what does this word really mean? What what kind of sacrifices are pleasing to God in our modern world? Just to give you guys a a little backdrop for my life, um, if I'm not here in church, I'm usually at the gym or in the water, like positive vibes only. That's usually my life. Uh, About two years ago, though, I started to experience some really unprecedented fear and anxiety in my life. It was a time when the future started to weigh on me really heavy, especially in the area of career and finances. Um, it started to take over things in such a way that I couldn't enjoy my time with God, my time with my friends or my hobbies. It was almost all-consuming. And long story short, during this time trying to battle this, uh, I found this journal entry challenge that I ended up tweaking to have more of a focus on God. But the Lord really used it as a means of repentance in my life. When I say repentance, I mean changing the way we think, like Giordano was talking about. Sometimes that happens in a moment when we see God in a new light. Sometimes we read a scripture, and boom, it is granted great clarity. Sometimes it's a process that we have to walk through, like that path he's talking about. And that's what this journal entry challenge was for me. It was three things that I journaled every day for 30 days trying to rewire my brain. It was something that gave me life. It was something that I learned in general and something that I felt like the Lord was speaking to me. When I was doing this... And I was looking for something that gave me life every day. I was training my heart to focus on things the Lord was providing and and training my heart to be thankful. 
um, with things that God was speaking, whether through scripture, podcasts, friends, prayer, even if it's just a repetitive word of his love. I was training my ear to be really attentive to him every day and my heart and my mind to remember and to, to see his consistency and his faithfulness. So through this 30-day challenge, it really changed my life and started to break off some of that anxiety, allowed me to see him clearly again, enjoy things. And what it was was the Lord showing me the, the paradox of joy and the power of thanksgiving. When I say the paradox of joy, what I mean is it's so easy to think, when good things happen to me, I'll automatically be thankful. Or when like something finally comes and makes my life better, then I'll be grateful. What I've seen in my experience and what I see in scripture is so often the inverse of that. When I choose to give thanks, joy bubbles up. It erupts. I think the same is true with God. When I choose to give thanks, he shows up. It would be great for you to leave here with this self-help tip uh, for you to enjoy your life more. But I think there's a point that's bigger than that. It would be that God would enjoy your life. All right? We see in scripture, like in Revelation 5, picture of heaven. Prayer is like incense in the throne room of God. And I would argue that Thanksgiving is one of his favorite scents. We see this from Asaph. Taylor McKinley, know he's like one of my favorite people in the Bible. I'm obsessed with this guy. If you don't know who Asaph is, in 1 Chronicles 16, he's commanded by David to lead the prayer room that David sets up. So for almost 40 years, his whole career, Asaph is in charge of day and night worship at a time in unprecedented worship in Israel's history. Majority of our Psalms are written in this place. I mean, God is so happy with Israel. He is just active and involved with his people. So a ton of prophecy about Jesus is being written at this time. Psalms that we still read, sing, and study today. They are written in this place, and Asaph is one of the people in charge of it. So he has key insight into who God is and what pleases him. And in Psalm 50, verse 23, he says, The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To the one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. My hope is that, like Asaph and like Israel at this time, that regular sacrifice can be made so that we engage God in a way that pleases him. We create an environment that is pleasing to him. I think we did that this morning, you know? Like, you see that. God is so responsive that when we lift his name and we, we offer thanks, he's so happy to dwell in that place. It can happen in your personal life. can happen in our church. So I challenge you, if there's anything that you're wanting breakthrough in, if there's anything that you're waiting on God for, if there's any more of God that you want in your life, start with thanksgiving. Come to him with thanks. Don't just come empty-handed. I mean, come as you are, but come with an offering. Come with thanksgiving and with praise and watch him show up. That's great word, great character in the Bible to talk about. I, I love that one. Uh, last but certainly not least today, Katya Rudder. Uh, Matt and Katya been a big part of our church for like a couple of years now. Katya has served in kids, guest experience, ran a lift group. I think you've done everything but worship and maybe, who knows, you're learning to play the piano. She shared in the 10 a.m., so you don't want to count it out yet. Would you give it up for Katya as she comes up and shares the final word today? Thank you, thank you. Hey, church, um, before I start, give it up for the speakers that went before me. Yeah. And give it up for our worship team. Man, what a worship. I'm not sure how, how you felt, but I definitely felt moved this morning. My name is Katya, as Pastor Man already mentioned, and if you're not sure what that accent is from, it's from Moldova. And I lived here in the United States for four years now, but here's a fun fact about me. Four years in the United States, and I still don't have a driving license. I'll admit it. I know it's crazy. I'm convinced this is the year, although I was convinced last year was the year, so don't quote me on that. 
Anyway, despite the fact that I don't have a driving license, I actually do know how to drive, and that is due to my handsome husband there who also acted as my driving instructor. And he was teaching me how to drive this one time. We we're going on this road. It was kind of an off-road, um, you know, keeping me away from the traffic. And this road was full of potholes. And I literally hit every single pothole on that road. I didn't miss one. I didn't even miss one by accident, you guys. I was doing great. <laughs> and my husband asked me, yo, dude, like, do you try to hit every single pothole on the road? And I said, of course not. I'm trying to avoid them. But I just can't seem to get it. And he realized in that moment the reason I was hitting every single pothole is because I was looking at every single pothole. He stopped me. He looked into my eyes and said, hey, honey, where your eyes are looking, your wills will follow. Later that year, we went skiing. Something very similar happened. He was teaching me how to ski. I kept hitting trees. Um, yeah, he again realized that I'm looking in the wrong direction. He stopped me. He looked at me and he said, hey, honey, where your eyes are looking, your body will follow. So that was where it stuck with me because they're just so relevant in our life. I genuinely believe that we will always be moving into the direction of our focus. Let me ask you something today. What are you looking at? What are your eyes fixed on? And if you're not sure where they should be fixed on, it's okay. The Bible helps us. In Hebrews 12, chapter 2, we read, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the offer and perfecter of our faith. Guys, if we want to be more like Jesus, if we want to stay grounded in him, if we want to stay grounded in the faith, if we want to live a life in Jesus' wisdom, we have to keep our eyes fixed on him. Because just like Matt said, where your eyes are looking, you will follow. We have to keep our eyes on the word of God. We have to fix our hearts on the purpose of God. And we have to fix our affections on the promise of God. And listen, I know this is easier said than done. I I'm there with you. Everything in our day-to-day -day is fighting for our attention. From that notification that you got this morning, for all the struggles that you're going through throughout your day, to all the craziness that happens in the news when you get home in the evening. I know it's really hard. But we're going to have to fight to keep our eyes on Jesus. Even more so, Jesus is encouraging us to reshift our attention from the metaphorical potholes that we are experiencing to him when it hurts the most. When we are at our lowest, when we're literally at the verge of a break point. Jesus wants us to look at him because he is with us in every circumstance and that's every circumstance. Jesus wants us to keep our attention on him, but he also wants us to keep looking forward. And that is because I believe Jesus is telling us that we are to live a life of abundance and that life is ahead of us and not behind us. In John 10, 10, it says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus doesn't want us to have any ordinary life. He wants us to live a life full and a abundant life. And if we are to live that abundant life, that life of overflowing grace and goodness and purpose, we have to look forward. We can't be moving with our heads over our shoulders. We have to be looking forward and we have to hyperfixate on Jesus. 
I'm not sure if you guys are on TikTok, but my For You page is all about this word hyperfixation. People are sharing all the random stuff. I know some influencers are really into their compressive pesto sandwiches that they've been having for a month. Other people can't stop watching a show. It's friends for me, I have to admit. I've watched the show over and over, and the moment it finishes, I started from the beginning. But I want to invite you today, if we're going to hyperfixate on something, can we hyperfixate on Jesus? I also want to encourage you today to leave what's in the past in the past. Leave it there. Don't dwell in it. Stop longing for it. Stop missing your past. Leave it behind you. It's gone. In Genesis 12, Lot's family is instructed by angels to flee Sodom and Gomorrah and not look back. But Lot's wife is longing for that life. So what does she do? She looks back and the scripture says she turned into a pillar of salt. Later in the New Testament, in Luke 17, Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. Here's a fun fact for you guys. Jesus doesn't tell us to remember any other woman in, in the Bible. There have been so many amazing women, but he only talks about Lot's wife when he says, remember, the words remember. And that is because I believe he literally is telling us to leave the past behind us. Because otherwise, if we sit in that past, if we dwell in that past, we run the risk of becoming a pillar of salt. And don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you to forget your past. I'm not telling you to not learn from your past. Your past is valuable. The Bible is not trying to give you amnesia. What I am saying to you is bring your struggles to the cross. Hey guys, I don't know what your metaphorical pothole is today. Maybe you're dealing with anxiety. Maybe you're dealing with depression. Maybe you're going for a heartbreak or you're getting over a conflict. You're dealing with anger. Whatever it is, maybe it's financial struggles. For me, it's a stupid promotion at work. I feel like the more I work for it, the further away I'm getting for it. It's frustrating. But hey, let me encourage you today. Can we stop staring at those potholes and shift our attention? Let's shift our attention and let's surrender ourselves to God's will. Let's surrender our fears. Let's surrender our guilt, our anxieties, our troubles and our tribulations to Jesus. Let's spend time focusing our minds and our heart on Jesus. Let's trust Jesus. Let's look at him as our answer, as our path, as our guide. Because guess what, guys? Where your eyes are looking, your soul will follow. Amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.